Thanksgiving begins a very special time of the year for us. It's the time of peace and reflection and of getting ready for the new year. One thing we should all be thankful for is that we live in America, where we have the freedom to change things and the opportunity to... Welcome to the Drunk Turkey Show. It was all fucking me, Sal is. What the... Starring Big Blue. Okay, can I say hi, Kim? Hi, hi. Oh, I love you. You are just like a giant. Lady, Lady Liberty just squirted in my face. And when you do drink with a straw, the myth is you get more drunk because you get more air mixed in. Hi, Maggie. You know how the, 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 the band's going like this? It goes. Yeah. When it hits my butthole. Last time I went to Mexico, uh, I, I stopped by a little stand and the lady had gloves. I was like, uh uh-uh. uh, lady, take off those gloves. I need that. It's pure since you can feel good and like, like it tastes good. What the hell's the point of this? And Daniel J. I got a friend named John Martinez who's not allowed in the library. John's being spotted in the Mexican mountains. So I didn't get to check out some I think that was Jaime. Walking up there, yeah. in the mountains. He's about six. He's about. It's six like feet. the theaters. You can love him, hey. but you. Hey. Hey. you better watch Take it easy. Take it easy. Get, I'm three get him off. Get him off the fucking stream, please. I'm fucking three beers in, bro. You don't want to fuck with me right Shit. now. Shit, you you ruin our friendship. Like you're three thousand, it still sucks. This is Phil J. Fry, and you're listening to the Drunken Turkey Show. You're one stop for this sort of thing. Hit that button, like and subscribe. You know what to do, just like every other podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Drunk Turkey Show, uh, the morning show. Uh, morning for us. Uh, I see uh, uh, the good afternoon by uh, George here in the uh, the live chat. How's it going? How's it going, y'all? Uh, Blue, how you doing this morning? You look like you're uh, you're barely there. Yeah, man. You know, I, I worked last night, so. Um... I'm running like two hours of, of sleep, but I'm good. I'm good. Nice, man. Nice. We got to get some rest, man. If you need to go, you got to go. But if you want to be on here talking with uh, me about some current news and, and things uh, yeah, yeah, we're yeah. talking about, love to have you. Uh, but before we start, I'd like to say thank you, K Music Taylor, for becoming the newest member. We appreciate you. Yes, thank you. And so... Um, one of the yes, one of the So today we're going to start off with some um, some breaking news that just came out. Um, this ain't too far from where we're at. We're in uh, Central Texas, so this is South Texas. Uh, this is referencing the um, the four Americans that were kidnapped and injured uh, the other day in Mexico that were driving in with uh, North Carolina plates in in this white van. Um, this is coming from um, WATE.com, uh, uh, the uh, news um, there in, in the border. So it says, Ciudad Victoria, Mexico. Two Americans whose abduction in Mexico was captured in a video that showed them caught in a cartel shootout have been found deceased. Officials said Tuesday two others were kidnapped with them, found alive with one wounded uh, I am not going to try to pronounce. Can you say that word, Blue? It's, uh, I'm not sure if you can see it. Let me make it bigger. Tamaulipas government? There you go, buddy. There you go. Thank you so much for helping out with that word because <laughs> there was no way that I was going to be able to get that down there. Um, 
Americo Virial said ambulances and security forces were bringing them to safety, but did not provide details on the extent of the wounded person's injuries. Uh, the FBI said Sunday it was searching for new or searching with Mexican authorities for the missing U.S. citizens. A relative of one of them said Monday that they had traveled together from South Carolina so one of them could get a tummy tuck from the doctor in the city of Mata. Mata. There you go. Blue. Thank you for, uh, you know, coming in clutch there where Friday's kidnapping took place just across the border from Brownsville, Texas. And so. Uh, it was it was highly sought out uh, initially or suspected that this was a, a situation of of uh, mistaken identity. Pretty, pretty sad, man. Pretty sad. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, um, oh, thank you so much. Yes, Molly. You're right. Smash that luck button. We appreciate it. Um, everybody got sound? I can uh, hear it. Yeah, let us know if you can hear us. Um, <clears throat> and so this this article goes on to say shortly after Mex after entering Mexico, they were caught uh, amid fighting between rival cartel groups in the city. A video showed them being loaded into the back of a pickup truck by gun gunmen. Officials said that the Mexican woman also passed on in Friday's crossfire. A Mexican woman passed in Friday's crossfire. Uh, the U.S. citizens were found in a rural area east of Matamoros called Ihidio Longorino. <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh, yeah. Uh, there you go. On the way to an area on the Gulf Coast known as Baghdad Beach. According to the state authority who requested an anonymity because he was not authorized to speak about the case, word of the location came to authorities before dawn on Tuesday. Uh, Villarreal confirmed the uh, the passings by phone during a morning news conference by Mexican President Andres Manuel Lopez Abrador, saying details about the four abducted Americans had been confirmed by prosecutors. Uh, Lopez said one suspect was in custody. Those responsible will be found and they are going to be punished. And so um, I'm not sure about that aspect towards the end, you know, the whole uh, being found and punished thing, you know, these type of things happen across the border. And, um, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't have much to say. What do you think? Blue? I mean, they happen all the time. <clears throat> I remember them happening since we were kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially, especially in the town we're from, uh, when they, it got kind of bad for a while. I always remember there was a, a meat market by my house. The owner had a beautiful Chevy, man, lifted, you know, it was a good, brand new of the year. And the next time I saw they were driving around a little Ford Ranger. I was mm -hmm. like, well, the truck, they own, the, they own a business, they own a meat market. They're always busy. But it had turned out that the son got kidnapped. And that, mm -hmm. was, that was one of the ways they could uh, get their son back was they gave up the truck and I think like $50,000 to be able to Dang. get so they, they they do this all the time in border towns. They know you're yeah. from the states, and if they know that you're from a family with money, uh, they will go after you when you when you go to certain places. Especially, you know, some people like to go to bars and eat in certain restaurants, and maybe they like to say their name around. Mm -hmm. I go, man. I don't I don't say anything. I just go 
get the tacos, go get where I'm going, and come back home. Nah, I hear you, man. I used to, when I was younger, um, way long time ago, when it was safe to go, safer to go. Um, you know, there's many times where we would enter um, into Mexico and um, we would either park on the American side of the border and just walk across because everything was right there. Um, or if we had to go inside, we would, we would take the beaters, you know, we'd go find the cars that were all junked up, beaten up. And that those were the cars that we would take to Mexico because we didn't want to have any problems with anybody out there. And so, um, you know, Jaime G he's working, so he's not gonna be able to make it today, but he comes in with the, uh, with his thoughts saying that he doubts it, that the government of Mexico are so corrupt and you're not wrong there, man. You're not wrong. It's, um, where we came from i mean i well i'll be honest i'm not sure i only went to mexico on the weekends and didn't really get involved into the politics of 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 the government but i've heard a lot about that they are corrupt and that they're mixed in with the cartels and that certain things will be looked at one way and not at another but i don't know i don't know does that sound accurate big blue uh in some places yes there's there's a big turn where the government's trying to fight back, and that's why there's so much, you know, going back and forth with uh, shootings and and war against, you know, the cartel, because they're they're trying to fight back some, they're trying to regain control of their, you know, their states, because some of their states are cartel run. Right. No, yeah, you're absolutely right, man, and it's, uh, it's just, it's crazy, you know, you the difference between how one one country and, and how their government is ran and, and and whatnot and just a small hop across the border and it's you know completely different it's uh it's it's, it's insane for me but <clears throat> we have other uh topics to go over and we're going to be doing something uh um, a little bit different in these segments so when we switch we're going to be showing a little five second clip um and this is just so that we can, you know, send this out for the replay guys and whatnot and get some shorts out there. So uh, don't go anywhere. It's just a five second clip. And then we're going to talk about our next segment. All right, guys. It's the drunk Turkey show. What's up big blue. So there's been some crazy news going on here recently about trains and planes and, you know, emergencies on, on planes and trains derailing, uh, You know, what what are your thoughts on it, first and foremost? And and, then we'll break down the different um, reports that are out there. Yeah, I mean, we're in 2023. We should have more safety guidelines and more, you know, safer planes to be on. And there's still so many derailings happening. I mean, there's human error. There's weather, you know, occasionally stuff erodes and... Maybe some tracks move or, you know, some people would like to cross before the train comes and causes the train to crash. So there's yeah. a lot of factors in it, but it's sometimes safety issues where it didn't get checked. I mean, that's, not, that's somebody's job. They pay somebody money to go check those tracks every year, every couple months. So somebody dropped the ball. 
Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, man. You, you would think that, you know, first when you started it off, it's 2023. You know, they would you would think and assume that they would be able to go out there and have machinery that can uh, tell, um, you know, what tracks need to be replaced or removed. You know, I, I don't feel like it would be much to put some sort of um, rail equipment that has some sort of laser um equipment on it that will be able to determine the shifting and the movement and if it's still safe or if it has to be readjusted and those things should be ran i mean i don't feel that those things even have to be manned you know what i'm saying i think you can get a computer to do those things and have this under control and since you don't have to have something like that manned you're only basically paying for the initial equipment up front and then any maintenance that would be required out of that equipment. There's not any personnel that would have to be ran or operated or, and you can run it as, you know, at any time without having to worry about paying overtime and things like that. So, you know, when it comes to the safety and and those type of aspects, I think that there should be some, there shouldn't be a lack when it comes to those things. I think you hit the nail right on the head on that aspect. Um, You know, and, but there's been some issues also with with airplanes, you know, um, here recently, um, whether it's weather related or if it's um, related to certain uh, incidences that are are happening, you know, on board the, uh, an aircraft. And this one comes in from Massachusetts. Um, I mean, Rhode Island. I'm sorry. A Massachusetts man was tackled by passengers and later arrested after allegedly trying to open a plane's emergency door and then attempting to stab a flight attendant with a broken spoon while on a flight from Los Angeles to Boston. Um, Francisco Severo Torres, 33, of Leo Minister, was arrested at Boston Logan International Airport when the uh, United Airlines flight landed on Sunday. What are your thoughts on that, first and foremost, Blue? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm sure that brings up some pretty crazy memories. Uh, no, I just think that you know I'm glad that they that nobody's you know got unalive. Some people right. are pretty crazy, man, and they were able to catch one time before we opened the door. I'm pretty sure there's safety locks and stuff like that, but it can be opened. Um, some people would just go crazy no matter. You know where they're at or what they're in in a, in a in a split of a second right i mean i've i've been talking to people sometimes at work and they snap and you know it's like i had something that's called the police so that happens so. yeah no you're absolutely right hyman g asks wasn't the ohio railway warned before the accident something like this could happen i believe so i believe that is uh, that is absolutely accurate that there was some um I guess there was some uh, acknowledgement of some issues that were brought up and that they were overlooked um, just because of, uh, of cost. And so I think you're right. You're right there. um, There, Hyman. And so uh, go ahead. That's the the crazy part about it is they have some trucks equipped that just drive up to the rails and then drop the, they drop the little, the, the, the rail wheels off the, off the bottom of the truck and those trucks i think are equipped with the scanners to be able to check the tracks mm-hmm. I and mean, that would take an hour you know a day maybe but it's just that they're running so so much you know material all the time 
But they don't want to shut down because it costs them thousands to shut down. That's true. That is absolutely true. That's 100% true there. Uh, this video here, I'm going to play it. Um, just, you know, warning. Some viewers may find the following video videos uh, disturbing. Viewer discretion is advised. Um, this is the um, airplane video from um, this dude trying to open the uh, the emergency door in air. And so let's we'll mute. First thing is he's clearly upset about um, something having to deal with. Um, sounds like he's what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to a feminist guy. You know, he says that he's going to hurt guys who've ever taken advantage of women, things of that nature. Um, and then he starts, you know, <laughs> starts calling somebody senior and essay. So I'm assuming that there's a somebody there, Latino. Uh, yeah. Okay your race and so being a being a racist on his own so to speak you know what i mean um let's see what the you know who this guy is and what he looks like we'll continue what do you what is your first impression so far from what you've heard blue uh, like somebody's just having one of those like you know they're angry at the world and they're letting it out now not everything because he went from like four subjects in that 20-second span. Yeah. No, yeah, you're right. You're right. You think he may be under the influence of something? It might be. In some of those flights, you can drink quite a bit, I know. Mm-hmm. My uh, friend was telling me that they were flying from, uh, I think, Nevada to here, and they had somebody, you know, put in, like, rest- restraints because they drank way too many and were getting out of hand, so mm-hmm. it happens. For sure. For sure. Right, I'm going to continue to play. Well, Jason, how long did you do a training, Jason? Your FBI training or your, your Homeland Security training? That's a lot. You're a Nazi communist. That's what you are. You support Satan, raping women and children, and putting them in the garbage can. And that's what you are. I'm Balthazar. My God, Balthazar. Yeah. Yeah, great. So where's the Homeland Security with the gun? Because I'm waiting for them to point the gun at me so I can show everybody that I won't die when I take every bullet in that clip to wherever in my body they shoot it, and then I will kill every man on this plane. So where are they? Where's Homeland Security? Pull the gun. Pull the gun. Where are they? You don't have Homeland Security. You're not going to try. You're not going to try and stop me. So you're all cowards. Okay, 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 okay. You know what? You guys, you're gonna see them shoot me down, and I'm gonna get back up. Hey, I'm both sorry. Hey, baby. Hey, Bianca. I love.
no, we, we do got to stop it every now and then for, you know, and commentate on it. Um, pretty insane stuff right there. And, you know, I also want to take the time to say that uh, most likely this um, <laughs> this live is going to be demonetized based on the language that this guy is using and, and what he's saying. Uh, so if you could do us a favor and help the um, help the algorithm out by hitting the like button, we truly appreciate it. And if you're not a subscriber, if you would uh, subscribe, we'd appreciate that as well. Yeah. yeah, where is the air marshal? I don't think there's one on every plane, perhaps. Uh, I'm not sure what the laws are when it comes to, to those type of things, but I know that um, it can be at random. But I don't think there's an air marshal on every plane. What do you think, Blue? That, and I think, uh, man, he seems like he's high on something, man. That's what out. I was thinking. It's wigging out pretty bad. Yeah, no, I, that's what that's what I was thinking. That's why I went, you know, I had asked you, I was like, do you think that they might be um, influ uh, under the influence of something? You know, he, you know, I, I think he might be as well. Um, he's he's making some crazy, saying some crazy things he shouldn't be saying on a plane and uh, or in, in anywhere in general, but much less, you know, you, it's like he's trying to say every code word you're not supposed to say at the airport. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, um, I want to see when they, they arrest him or tackle him. See how yeah. many people it takes. Yeah, me too. Uh, he did say that he's waiting to get shot and that he'll just jump right back up, you know, according to what he said. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Let's continue. Oh, 
Holy smokes, man. That was that was pretty crazy there at the end. Uh, have you seen that video before? That's the first time I've seen it. So that was my that was my live reaction, y'all. <laughs> that's the first time I've seen it too. So that's crazy, man. Dude. Yeah, he was, and somebody asked what his name was. His name was Bob Lazar. Bob Lazar. No, no, Bob Lazar. Like, uh, like. Oh, dude, he just like, like he he apparently it's like a broken spoon, right? And he just turns around and just starts like in a stabbing motion to the um, um, what do you call it? To the to the flight attendant. That was crazy, dude. That was man. I, and, and I told you it was gonna take a few people, man, because he looked like he was pretty high on something. And... No, he definitely was. Jeez, definitely was. Um, let me see if what what ended up. Let's see if some what they say ended up happening. Um, Olson, okay, uh, he was talking about Nazis and saing women in an interview. Um, and my seventeen-year-old daughter next to me, she was crying. She was very upset. She wouldn't even let me touch her. She was thought we were going to crash. Right. So federal prosecutors said the flight was 45 minutes from landing at Logan Airport when the flight crew was told the side door on the plane was disarmed. And the guy tried to, like I said, he tried to open the the door there to, you know, in flight. Um, a flight attendant discovered the uh, door's handle was moved out of the fully locked position and that the emergency slide alarming lever had been moved to the uh, disarmed position, federal prosecutor said. Another flight attendant saw he uh, said he saw Torres near the door and believed Torres had tampered it. When confronted about tampering with the door, Torres allegedly asked flight attendants if there were cameras that showed him tampering with the door. The flight attendant subsequently told the uh, captain that they believed Torres posed a threat to the aircraft and the aircraft needed to land as soon as possible. In Olson's cell phone interview, Torres is heard arguing with passengers seated in the row behind him. He's also heard calling out for Homeland Security, telling them to bring SWAT and to shoot me down because they're going to have to shoot me down today, said Torres, who sat in the middle seat of the exit row. Uh, where are they diverting us? Because wherever it's going to be, it's going to be a bloodbath. Uh, Torres repeatedly referred himself as, uh, what did you say that word was, Blue? Balbazar? Balbazar? Yeah. Yeah, and that his father was is Dracula. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> where's Homeland Security? We heard that part. A prosecutor said Torres then got out of the seat and walked towards flight attendants in the side door. He then allegedly thrust it towards one of them. We saw that. He didn't allegedly. The dude thrust it towards one of the flight attendants in a stabbing motion with a broken metal spoon, uh, hitting the flight attendant three times on the neck. So he, he right. made contact. He made contact. Uh, crazy yeah man it is and this is not this is just the first article that we have about flights there's been a lot there's one lady that passed because of the turbulence and we'll talk about that um he then uh, let's see the the video then shows a group of male passengers confronting Torres at the front of the plane uh Torres was placed in zip ties and they all took turns restraining Torres until uh until the flight landed uh, i'm guessing they had to hold him down and took turns holding him down yeah yeah that was amazing said Wilson. it reminded me of 9-11 when you heard them doing the same thing and taking the plane down they didn't hesitate Torres was in custody once the plane landed at logan airport other passengers aboard the flight later told investigators that Torres asked a passenger 
where on the safety card it showed the location of the door handle. Investigators were also told Torres was seen pacing in a galley before the attendant was attacked. Torres is facing one count of interference and attempting to interfere with the flight crew members and attendants using a dangerous weapon. With these charges come a potential sentence of life in prison and a $250,000 fine. So there's no joke. No joke. They're about to take that dude's um, uh, you know, freedom away for the rest of his life. But, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, the dude tried to basically take every passenger out by opening that door. You know what I mean? That's attempted murder on all the passengers, in my opinion. What do you think? I mean, I don't know if they can get him with that kind of charge, but they can get his, uh, you know, endangering all the lives. I'm pretty sure they can get him something like that. Yeah. But I, I mean, I, I would think the pain shouldn't fall apart if it opens up, but who knows? Yeah, the, I mean, the pressure would probably, you know, take some people out with the pressure, you know, suck them out. But I've never been in a plane that that's happened before. No, I know, man. It is crazy. Dude. I, I, you know, a lot of the folks, the passengers were extremely calm and, and um, courageous in that moment. Nobody panicked. Nobody did it because that, that situation could have gone really, really out of hand. You know what I mean? And, yeah. um, you know, everybody stayed calm collective and you know this guy took himself out of the center of the uh, the uh of the seat put himself in the aisle so that way he can be placed on the ground you know if they would have attacked him or they would have tried to have you know stopped him while he was in the middle there it would have been very difficult to have done so and so yeah <laughs> i mean jesus safe to say i won't be flying anywhere soon mm-hmm. um you probably won't especially after this article it's this one uh, says a former state department worker has passed in a result of severe turbulence on a private business jet that was diverted friday to connecticut according to authorities um and the deceased woman's public resume and so this was um on a private business jet this wasn't on a uh on a like a big plane but there was yeah but there's been some a lot of reports of severe turbulence i'm assuming that this um this 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 uh unfortunate um person here passed due to not having her seatbelt on during the flight i think there was um i read the i was listening to the news on this and i believe the plane hit something like uh 50 to 100 mile per hour uh wind jet stream winds and it caused the plane to go pretty crazy but it was so then they cause uh invisible turbulence where you they don't see the jet stream um let's see we'll read this turbulence resulted in the fatal injuries to one passenger Uh, the national transport safety board wrote on twitter three passengers and two crew members were on board the private jet Uh, the ntsb wrote in the statement to cnn the conditions of the other people are not known the person who passed was dana hyde connecticut state police said as she is a former state department employee according to her lincoln page i was taken to saint francis medical center in hartford connecticut state police said in monday the national transportation safety board the ffa and the fbi will investigate the incident the investigators have removed the cockpit cockpit voice recorder and the flight data recorder and are contributing continuing to gather information from the flight crew operator and other passengers. The NTSB will release a preliminary report in two to three weeks. CNN has also reached out to a private company that owned the plane in the state department for comment. Uh, turbulence is a term for air movement that can give an airplane a sudden jolt and that can be particularly dangerous for people not wearing a seatbelt. If 
from 2009 to 2011, 146 people aboard part 121 carriers, regular commercial airlines suffered serious injury from turbulence defined as injury requires hospitalization for more than two days, causes bone fracture, leads to severe hemorrhage or other damage involving internal organ or involves significant burns. Of the 146 injuries, about 80% were to the crew members. Damn. Well, uh, I think that's something you got to, you know, <laughs> deal with when you're because you, they're up and down. You know what I'm saying? Usually yeah. during the turbulence, making sure that everybody's got their seatbelt. So they put themselves in danger usually, you know. Well, yeah, no, I've been in a few flights and uh, I remember when I went to Wisconsin, we did a transfer um, in Chicago. Man, mm -hmm. we got in one of the smallest planes I've ever seen. You know, it was one of those three row, two on one side and one. And I got the one next to the engine, man. When that turbulence hit, I was like, the engine looks like it's gonna fall off the wing, you gotta deal. So it gets a little crazy out there. Yeah. And um it, it does, man. I remember I went to I think it was one of the times I went to Pittsburgh and I was flying into Chicago and we were coming in um like super fast, man. And we hit and my my back like freaking hurt. Um but it was because it was real windy as they were coming down. I guess they had to come in at a pretty, pretty uh, quick pace. Man, it, it was one of the worst, worst flights because it just like I felt like we were gonna bounce back up. Like we hit so hard when we landed, it was crazy. Yeah, Chicago definitely is the worst. Uh, um, I was so smart. I figured, I thought they were gonna tell me, sir, you had to, you had to sit in the middle to balance the plane out because my weight was too much on one side. But yeah, that's for another story. <laughs> Yeah. I'm not going to play the sound behind this because it's just people yelling and stuff, but this is another airplane. I think it's uh, Southwest Airlines. Oh, um, yeah, battery, a lithium battery had popped and caused a fire in one of the um, uh, carry-on bags. And so this one was also just a, couple, like a week ago, maybe. And so... Um, Yeah, it's just the same clip there. Uh, pretty crazy stuff there. Pretty crazy stuff. Uh, don't don't put your lithium your lithium batteries, you know, in the bottom. That's why they tell you not to, because in that pressure moment or whatnot, you, could you imagine if there was a fire that got caused underneath where yeah. your where your check in baggage is and there's nobody down there? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <sighs> That's some scary stuff, man. That's some scary stuff. It's like everybody likes to travel with their um, e-cigarettes, and those things catch on fire and blow up all the time, too. So. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then, what people will do is they'll they'll, they'll put them in their in their uh, under under their check-in bag under the bottom, yeah. and so that way they can get through. And if those things catch on fire, that that could be dangerous. Um. And it sucks, man, because like you never know. You can't control what everybody else is doing. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, no, you can't. Um, you cannot. So, but uh, we're gonna be moving on to our next topic here in a second. Let me uh, pull it up really quick. And so, give me a second. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in about five seconds. It's the Drunk Turkey Show. So. Last uh, over the weekend, um, 
Patrick Mahomes' brother got into a little bit of controversy. Um, apparently, he was um, forcibly, he's under investigation for forcibly uh, kissing a bar owner and assaulting a waitress or something like that. Did you hear about this story, Blue? No, but I'm not surprised. No, you're not. <laughs> oh, man. For those that don't know who uh, Jackson Mahomes is, Jackson Mahomes is the uh, brother of Super Bowl winning quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes. He's come under fire quite often because of his um, antics. He does a lot of Twitter stuff, does a lot of Twitter dances. And one of the ones that kind of sparked a lot of controversy was he was dancing over a um, they had in, in Washington. They had put a, um, a shrine for a cornerback that had passed away. And they put his jersey on the field and his number. And he went and was dancing on the jersey the day of the ceremony and stuff. Like on the that was painted on the field. And so they they had to get onto him to get off of the, that part of the field. And so that was one of the things that he has done. Um, but he comes under accusations of assault by a restaurant owner and a waitress. So um We'll read this. It goes, Jackson Mahomes, the popular social media figure and brother of Super Bowl winning quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, did I say Patrick Mahomes twice? Uh, I think so. <laughs> Jackson Mahomes is the brother of Patrick Mahomes. He's being investigated by police in Kansas after allegedly assaulting the restaurant owner and a waiter last weekend, uh, according to uh, this, the uh, Kansas City Star. Mahomes, 22, allegedly forcibly kissed the 40-year-old owner and shoved a 19-year-old waiter more than once. The owner and the waiter told the publication the incidents occurred last Saturday at Aspen's Restaurant and Lounge in Overland Park, just outside Kansas City. Lana alleges Mahomes grabbed her by the throat and kissed her at least twice in her basement office at the restaurant. She said Mahomes' advances were unwelcome and shocking. She believes Mahomes was intoxicated. She provided a video of the incident to the Star and local police, which we do have, and I'll be bringing that up here in a minute. She also provided a photograph showing bruises on her neck after the altercation. That's some serious stuff. You know, bruises to the neck usually implies like um, like strangulation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Strangulation is usually one of the things which is an enhancement suggests a simple assault. So he could be he could be really looking at some severe charges here. he forcibly kissed me out of nowhere. Vaughn told the KC star and I'm telling him, pushing him off saying, what are you doing? And then he proceeds to do it two more times. But the last time I was pushing him off and I can see on the cameras that somebody was outside of the office door and was yelling for him, for them to come help me because he's big and massive. Uh, this young man is, I believe six foot six. And yeah, he's so tall, he's, man. he's a tall guy. He was actually, um, before he decided to become a, uh, I guess, like a TikTok uh, star slash content creator, he had uh, an opportunity, maybe perhaps even a career in basketball. And so he was an athletic guy um, at one point. And so the waiter told the star he was pushed out of the office by Mahomes. Mahomes' lawyer provided a statement to USA Today Sports about the allegations. We have, pro- we have provided law enforcement with the tools and evidence they need to evaluate the claims against Jackson. Well, uh, every interaction between people uh, need to be placed in proper context. Releasing a short clip of any video does not provide proper context. We have faith in the process and look forward to a swift resolution to the matter. And so um, 
here's the video. You guys tell me, does it looks like, um, you know what? Let me, let me pull up the bigger video instead. Yeah, man, I, I actually dislike this gentleman when his brother won the Super Bowl. I mean, really was he, that? I mean, there, there it was a celebration ceremony for his brother, and he was there dancing around like a fool. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, he almost knocked the trophy out of his hand and all this stuff, man. It's just like, wow, dude, you can, can't handle yourself for two minutes while they do one press report. <sighs> No, you're absolutely right, man. You're absolutely right. It's it's a it's a shame. Like, you know, this guy. Let's see. I'll share it. There's no sound to it. So this is him, Jackson Mahomes. This is the bar owner. This is him grabbing her by the neck. It'll it'll hopefully redo it again. There it goes. So this is the alleged incident. She looks like she's smiling to you. A little bit, man. I can't zoom in, but no, no. I mean, it may not be. I don't know because that's one thing that they're saying is the context. Because that that does look pretty, pretty crazy that he just grabs her like that. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. But she's kind of like laughing, and then right, it looks like they're laughing almost, but it doesn't look like she's pushing him away the way she describes that she was. I mean, yeah. Well, maybe so. She's grabbing his hand. She's grabbing his hand. Let me move the, the cursor away so we can look at that clear. I mean, she is coughing, so it is by surprise. I don't think she was. So she's grabbing him by the hand. She's trying to grab his hand. Yeah. Huh. I don't know, man. I don't know. But he also pushed. So we also have to look at the fact that there's just that. And there's also the concept of um, the the fact that we have the waiter saying that he pushed him also on the way out. Right. So there's more than just this. You know, she could be under the influence. We don't know of alcohol as well. We don't know what's in that cup. If she's drinking and, you know, she just might be like, you know, what's going on? And, and it may not seem like she's fighting him back because of her intoxication, but she in reality is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. It looks like she's a little bit like, like maybe she she tried to play it off, like, hey, what the hell happened? But after she saw the video and she maybe... Nah, man, see, she even man. pushed... No, no, no. She even pushed his head. Look, watch. She yeah, pushes, I saw him pushing... She, she like, pushes his head, too. Yeah. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think so, dude. I don't think this was... Was wanted. See, no, I, I, it doesn't look like it was wanted. Look, but... Right there. He's pushing her head. She's pushing his head. I'm sorry. And. I don't know. I mean, she's a business owner, so she may be trying to keep herself, you know, like under under control. She's separated, so she may not be like lashing out at him because of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, after the fact. But, you know. It's more than just this business owner. You have the business owner statement. You have the video of him forcibly grabbing her, grabbing her by the throat. If she does have bruises, then that's not, yeah, that's a that's a pretty forcible, you know, grab, right? Yeah. And so, um, 
you have that added to it. Then you have the statement from the wait, the waiter that has stated that he pushed her out, out of the way. Um, I'm not sure, man. I don't think, I think this is going to be some bad news for Jackson Mahomes. I think he's going to find himself in trouble. And yeah, yeah. you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, nervous laugh. Um, everybody handles stressful situations differently. And, yeah. and she might just be like thinking, oh, is, is this a joke? Right? Like this must be a joke. Right? Yeah. And then trying to laugh because she's thinking this is a joke. And, but the punchline never comes. And then she realizes that he wasn't joking. There's bruises. He forcibly, you know, came onto her. And, you know, that might be, in my opinion, probably the best idea of what is actually going on there. And this guy, not just because he's a jerk or any of those things that he's done, but because of this action alone, he's he's got some consequences to pay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, his brother is going to pay. I don't know. Maybe he makes enough money on TikTok, but I think he rides his brother's fame quite a bit. Oh, I'm sure he does. I mean, that's that's the only reason why he's somewhat famous or whatnot. I mean, if 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 his brother wasn't Patrick Mahomes and he was just a guy on TikTok, uh, I don't think his uh, I don't think he would be as far as he is now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but you know what? That that is true, man. I, I've been at the bar and. There's a lot of aggressive guys out there that try to, you know, but he grabbed the neck, man. Most of them, like, give people a hug, and then they try to, like, slip in a kiss, but that neck is pretty weird, man. Yeah. Yeah, there, there is definitely some, some, yeah, it's suspicious, man. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's, um, I think, I think he's going to be in trouble with that one. Yeah. Um, that's how bar, that's how a lot of bar fights start, man. You know, all the drunks come over and they they try to like give you a hug and you know you shove them off and then they so they get mad and that's how bar fights start quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. No, I I hear you, man. Um, the I believe you. That's exactly what happens, and you know, um, a lot of things happen in bars to start fights. To be honest with you, but yeah, for me, I think this guy he's he's gonna he's. Like we said, somebody's going to pay for this. This lady's going to end up becoming, yeah, she's going to get compensated. And this guy you know, should probably, you know, get something on his record for doing this. Yeah, you know, it's unfortunate that, that you have some people of certain statuses that can get away with things like this by just paying it off. And, you know, their record is clean. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was aggressive, though. I do agree. Uh, Jaime G goes in, comes in, and says, "I just don't understand why famous rich personalities do this when they're capable of having almost anyone out there." Um, I mean, it, it's probably a power trip for this guy. You know, he's probably gotten everything in his life. He's he's done things like uh, he he tried to throw some bar or, or a restaurant under the bus for having some sort of bad service, and when it was investigated, it ended up being inappropriate actions from this Jackson Mahomes guy. Uh, um, that the uh, the bar, the establishment didn't do anything wrong. And so, you know, he, I think he's one of these entitled folks and thinks that everything should be, you know, it should just be given. And so it's crazy, man. It's crazy. That's for sure. That is for sure. Um, we're going to take another five second break. Don't, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. It's the Drunk Turkey Show. 
Welcome back, y'all. So today's main topic of what we're going to be talking about is the uh, the letter and the response from Roberta Laundry, um, mother of deceased um, killer of Gabby Petito, Brian Laundry. Um, and for those that aren't familiar, I'm, I'm sure many of you guys are. The, uh, the 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 breakdown is in 2021, Gabby Petito went on a trip with her fiance Brian Laundry. They converted a van into a living, like a mobile mobile living area, uh, you know, house on wheels, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to be content creators, create a YouTube channel, and you know, show video of them living their lives out of the van. Um, Petito went missing in September of twenty of twenty twenty one. Laundry returned back home. Um, uh, Brian Laundry had returned back home. Her fiance without her sparked a bunch of rumors, bunch of questions, bunch of thoughts. Um, people were wondering where Gabby Petito was at. Uh, her body w- was found. Brian Laundry went missing. He ended up taking his own life. And um, out of this entire search, there was a letter that was found at the end of this. And it was a letter from Ro- Roberto Laundry to Brian Laundry, and it's come as being the biggest, you know, um, clue as far as did the, did the laundry parents know that Brian laundry had this, you know, committed that heinous crime against uh, Gabby Petito before her body was found. You know, were they aware during that two week span, he was back and, and everybody was looking for it before her body was found. And, uh, in fact, the uh, Petito family is now suing the Laundry family, including their lawyer, over them knowing that um, Gabby had been deceased and that Brian was responsible for it and weren't coming forward. Uh, are you familiar with the case, Blue? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty familiar with it. All right, awesome, awesome. Now, I know there's a lot of stuff in between there, but that's just kind of the ballpark. You know, summary of it. Um, the letter's been found. The kids are accusing the laundries of knowing about the uh, the crime uh, or what had occurred while Gabby was still missing. And this is a response or an article with the response from Roberta Laundry uh, referencing that letter. So this comes from um, News Channel Eight. Roberta Laundry is speaking out for the first time about a letter she wrote to her son, Brian Laundry, that she claims has nothing to do with Gabby Petito, but rather a quirky letter she wrote to help repair their relationship. Roberta's attorney finds a motion for a protective order in the Sarasota County Circuit Court on Monday, seeking to block the attempts by Petito's parents, Joe Petito and Nicole Schmidt, uh, to make a make the burn after reading letter written to Brian Laundry admissible as evidence in the upcoming civil trial between the two families. The attorney Petito and Schmidt claim that the letter makes reference to a shovel burying a body and helping Brian get out of prison. We the opinionated idiot one ninety nine. Thank you so much. Good afternoon, buddy. For your uh, super chat. We're gonna be on his show on Thursday night, y'all. If y'all haven't uh checked him out Check them out. Like and subscribe. You'll see us there Thursday. Um, In support of the notion against the letter becoming public, Roberta Laundry wrote a letter to the court claiming the burn after reading letter was was written months before Gabby and Brian left on their cross-country road trip in the summer of 2021. 
Although I do not know the exact date I wrote the letter, I do know that I wrote it and gave it to Brian before Brian and Gabby left Florida for New York, which was on June 2nd, 2021, uh, said Roberta. Roberta says that she and Brian shared a love for books such as The Runaway, Bri Runaway Bunny and Little Bear. She claims one such book, Burn After Writing. Blue, can you do me a favor real fast? Can you look up what Burn a summary of Burn After Writing is and what that book is about? Um, so burn after writing was often a subject, a joke between her, Brian and Gabby, and was the reason she wrote burn after reading on the envelope that contained the letter to her son. In short, I was trying to connect with Brian and repair our relationship as he was planning to leave home. And he hoped this letter would remind him how much I loved him, said Roberta. Stephen, uh, Stephen Bertolino the longtime family attorney of the Laundries who is seeking to be removed as a co-defendant in a lawsuit has previously said burn after reading letter Roberta wrote to Brian was personal between mother and her son. Roberta, Roberta in her letter to the court says the note Brian was an attempt to repair their strained relationship. Okay. The purpose of the letter was to reach out to Brian while he and I were experiencing difficult period in our relationship. Roberta wrote, Brian and I always had a very open and community relationship. And in the months prior, to <clears throat> our relationship had become strained. Brian and I share love stories, uh, love of stories. And some of the language in the letter are using familiar phrases to describe the depth of the mother's love. Did you find that book there, boy? Yeah. What's that book about? Um, it's a self-discovery book that encourages you to the reader to ask yourself where you come from where you are now, and the ultimately just where you are going. It's like six bucks on Amazon. And let's see, this is the author talking about it because she wrote another book. Mm -hmm. The soul looks to continue the journey of self-reflection by asking just who you are really and, are you how, <clears throat> and how those are shaped for your life. Think of it as your self-therapy. Both books begin with a journey right here at the kitchen table. Um, that's pretty much it. And then talks about the spare time that you have. So it really doesn't have anything to do with shovels, getting out of jail. Like, no, just like a self-reflection book. All right. All right. So, okay. Okay. So Roberta admits that her letter does contain references that some would think about her son and, and Petito. However, she claims there is no connection between her words and what happened to the couple. Um, well, I used words that seem to have a connection to Brian's actions and the taking of Gabby's life. I never would have fathomed the events that unfolded months later between Brian and Gabby would reflect in my words, in my letter, the words in my letter, the words in the letter could never have been comment of the tragic situation as they were written so many months before my words to Brian were meant to convey my love and support for my son, though a lighthearted and quirky reminder that my love for him was not diminished and could not be shaken by the miles of separation we would soon be faced with. So I don't understand where when she comes with this and she says that, you know, and, and, and well, that's, you know, if we were to believe the rumors that are out there that um, or what the speculation is that that's out there is that there's talk about burying a body. There's talk about um, getting out of jail um a shovel where does those those phrases in your opinion blue come in that you think that 
talk about love and support for their son and try to get over some sort of, you know, um, strain that they were having in the relationship. Yeah, that part I don't get. Like, it's not, doesn't come, it doesn't sound like a letter for that. But I was watching a report saying that, I mean, the FBI have the letter. They have mm-hmm. it in, in their, but they're not going to release it. And I don't think they're even going to use it towards the case because they find it irrelevant right now. Well, they're going to use it in the civil lawsuit that's going on between the Laundry family and the uh, uh, Petito family. So the Petito and Schmidt family, which is um, Gabby's mom and dad, are suing uh, Roberta and her husband, uh, Laundry, for um, they're, they're going through a civil lawsuit. And their claim is that they were under that they knew um, while Gabby was missing uh, that she had been deceased and that, and that Brian had something to do with it and were not not reporting that to authorities and so that's why it's it's relevant still but yeah the fbi does have the letter i believe um let's see let's go roberta says the claim made by pat riley the attorney for the petito's parents that the letter was received by brian and found in his backpack by the fbi near his remains at the carlton reserve is false roberta says the fbi gathered the letter as evidence before brian's remains were found and investigators had questioned her and her husband chris laundry about it before october of 2021 and so um you know what this sounds like to me this sounds like uh like he came home maybe he uh he told he told his parents what had happened and uh and then he shut everything out i think he made his decision that he was going to take his own life at that point and I don't think he was talking to his mom or his dad about anything. Yeah. And I think that that letter was an, an, an attempt to prevent what inevitably happened to Brian Laundrie in that, in that 25,000 acre reserve. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, man, I, I know he was going through some stuff. I know he had it, told his parents something. Yeah. It's it crazy how the story was. He abandoned the van. He abandoned everything. And they found him walking the side of the road. And he didn't know where she went. You know, so it's a crazy story. Whenever when I heard that one, yeah, yeah. And so, um, yeah, it's that's what it sounds like to me. It sounds very much like he came out with it and was in severe, you know, depression. Understood what was going to happen to him as well, and um probably regretted what he did you know this is probably an act that occurred out of rage and and whatnot and so I, i'm sure he was thinking about that moment a lot in his final days uh evident i mean it, to the point where he he took his own his own life yeah. and so uh this goes on saying both sides have confirmed that roberta's letter does not have a date on it and the laundries have maintained it has nothing to do with gabby petito and so what the other thing is too is so supposedly, according to Roberta, she gave this letter to Brian before they left. So we are to believe that Brian took that letter, took the letter with him on his trip, uh, committed the crime, came back, took the letter out of the van or wherever it was in his belongings and then put it in his room. So that's the thing is that he abandoned the van. No, no, no. He, he, I, I thought he drove it back home. 
I thought I remember them saying that somebody picked them up on the side of the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was uh so just to kind of go all the way back. Um, there was a person that picked him up um during the times where it's believed that um Gabby had gone something had happened and dropped him back off at the camper. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, they dropped him off back at the camper. They had picked him up um, up north. That I believe it was like Jackson something. Or he was going to Jackson something, and then he asked to be dropped off at the camper. He had been hiking supposedly for two days. Um, but so I, I just don't I don't understand that. Like, like I don't understand where that makes sense. Like how Brian is going to take this letter before his trip take it on his trip that talks about bringing a shovel bury the body getting out of jail things like that and all those things happen and he keeps that letter with him a letter that you know if roberta's saying is true it's just coincidental it's pretty pretty damning coincidental evidence you know what i mean yeah yeah i'm calling a big bs on this story for roberta laundry um the fbi gave gave it to me i still have it berlinito said of the letter to the, in a message to wfla.com in december don't get caught up in the hype context is everything riley has filed a letter to be part of the discovery process in the lawsuit that tito's parents have filed against laundries and berlinito a court hearing specifically on whether the letter will be admissible as evidence has not been scheduled uh roberta's letter Roberta Roberta Laundry's letter as filed in Sarasota County Circuit Court is below. So I'll read that real quick. It says, uh, I, Roberta Laundry, am a defendant in the above styled cause, and I do by hereby swear or affirm that I fully understand the meaning of all the terms in this affidavit. I wrote the letter requested by the plaintiff's second request for production. I wrote the letter to my son, Brian Laundry, on or about the end of May 2021. Although I do not know the exact date I wrote the letter, I know I do know that I wrote it and gave it to Brian before Brian and Gabby left Florida to, for New York, which was on June 2nd, 2021. Brian and Gabby went from Florida to New York before they went out west. The purpose of the letter was to reach out to Brian while he and I were experiencing a difficult period in our relationship. Brian and I was been a very open and communicative relationship, and in the months prior to the trip, our relationship had become strained. Brian and I shared a love, uh, a love for stories, and some of the language in the letter was using similar phrases to describe the depth of a mother's love. Uh, the two books that come in mind are The Runaway Bunny and Little Bear. I wonder if any of those have something about breaking people out of jail, digging the hole for bodies, or something of like that nature. Any of those two books that she says that are coming to mind. We'll look into that. In addition, Gabby had given Brian a book called Burn After Writing, which contained Printed questions to which the reader responds by writing their answers on the page. Back of the book instructs the reader to create a secret book and then destroy by burn after writing. The bottom of the back cover says, write, burn, repeat. Brian, Gabby, and I often joke about this book and the importance of being able to express yourself. If I were embarrassed or simply did not want anyone to know your thoughts or feelings, then the book offered a perfect solution by telling you to burn it. This is where my message uh, to Brian came from. And I wrote on the cover of the letter to Brian Byrne after reading in short, I was trying to connect to Brian and repair a relationship as he was planning to leave home. And I had hoped this letter would remind him how much I loved him. So what she's basically saying is that 
in that book, if you wrote something that you didn't like, you can burn it, right? And you don't have to worry about it. So right. I guess what she's saying is if you don't like what I wrote, what, what's, what, what you read, you can burn this letter. And I guess when she says that I, um, you know, I'm pleased that he still had the letter means that he didn't burn it. So I guess it doesn't mean that he didn't dislike it. I think that's that's her point of view, right? Yeah. <clears throat> that's... You know, she's always going to protect her son because that's her son. Like, right. Like, um, uh, you know, Dahmer's dad would always protect his, his son because that was his son. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So we'll finish this. It goes, there were there were some other phrases that I used in a letter that was letter not found in the books I share with Brian as a child. However, these phrases were common enough in our circle of friends and family to describe. Uh, you can turn in the most troubling times of your life. Well, I used the words that seemed to have connection with Brian's actions and his taking of Gabby's life. I never would have fathomed that the events that unfolded months later between Brian and Gabby would reflect the words of my letter. The words in the letter could never have been a comment on the tragic situation as they were written so many months before. My words to Brian were meant to convey my love and support for my son through a lighthearted and quirky reminder that my love for him was not as diminished or could not be shaken by the miles of separation we soon would be faced with. And so... I don't understand the lighthearted and quirky reminder being burying somebody, getting a shovel and getting somebody out of jail. Sound lighthearted and quirky to you, Blue? No. That letter I write my daughter is like, I love you. Have a fun trip and call when you can, you know? Like, yeah. Uh, not bury and break out of jail. Not nah, like I'm yeah. going to Mexico. You can't even. It goes on to say, although a few of the words in the letter are being quoted as others having connection to this case, all the words taken together in the context of the reason of the letter was written show that there is no connection. In addition, there has been some speculation that this letter was in Brian's possession or in his backpack when he died, insinuating that I gave it to him as he left home on September 13, 2021. But that is not true because the FBI had the letter in their possession and questioned the members. Of, the fa of my family, I bought it prior to October 20th, 2021, when my husband and I found Brian's remains in the reserve. I repeat the letter I wrote to Brian before you left with Gabby and their faithful trip was nothing more than a private communication between myself and my son, and I never expected anyone else to read it in, the same, in some way. I did not want anyone else to read it as I know it. it's not the type of letter a mother writes to an adult son, and I did not want to embarrass Brian. This is why I wrote Burn After Reading on the envelope, and I knew that. Brian would know what that meant. I am now appreciative that he actually kept it. Signed, Roberta Laundry. Now, um, I don't think so, man. I think that they had this certain code and they had certain stuff. And, you know, they read a lot of books and maybe they did have certain phrases. But I think that he sent, she sent it to him. Um, during the time that he was there before he went missing because he became, you know, distant from his family in those last few days. And I think that was an attempt to, you know, try to tell him that everything's going to be okay, that, you know, we'll go bury the body if we need to go get you out of jail, the whole nine yards, you know, doing whatever it willing to take. But, you, you know, in case it was found or whatnot, maybe she'd have to have a reason for um, so it was written down in a certain way. You get what I'm saying? I don't disagree with her and doing it in that way. I do because somebody found it and now she's in trouble. All she had to do was talk to him. 
Yeah. It was at, it was at her house. I mean, maybe he didn't want to talk, but I got the keys to every door in my house. Yeah. Yeah, they did act. See, that's the thing, too. That, that's what brings me to believe that. Um, and it's just my opinion. I think that that he went he told them what was up. I think he told them what had happened. And I think that the parents knew and could see in him that he was going to go and, you know, take his own life at one point. You know what I mean? I think they could see the signs there. They weren't going to work. They were, you know, police media were outside the house. So they were trapped inside. The only people that they had to each other was each other. And so in my opinion, I think that, um, um, I think that's exactly what had occurred. You know, I, I think he told them. I felt that the parents probably felt that they were going to try to reach out to him, try to t- try to get through to him. Maybe talking wasn't working, so they wrote a, lo- a letter. And um, whether he read it or not, maybe he didn't even read the letter. He may have just put it in his drawer. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And never even read the letter. And, you know, and, and gone and did what he did. And so... Uh, I, I truly think that the laundry parents know more and have known more for a very long time. What do you think, Blue? I mean, it's hard to tell, man. It's hard to tell. But we'll find out when the case comes up and see if it comes out. You know, we'll see if the truth comes out when that civil case comes out. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right, man. When this civil case comes up, we'll see what's else in that letter. And what other what other information that they may have to prove that that the that the laundries had information before Gabby's body was found? Um, do you have any um, any uh, any final thoughts before we uh, call it a show? We're a little over an hour now. Yeah, I just want to say you know my thoughts and prayers go out to all the people that we talked about that passed away. But right now, uh, the most current ones, the ones that everybody are are still grieving because it just happened is uh the ones that got kidnapped in mexico is that two of them already passed one's in critical condition that you know they, they're not know if they're gonna make it so yeah. you know my thoughts and prayers go out to your families they decided to go to mexico to get some surgeries that and medications that probably if uh the u.s can work on trying to make health care a lot more affordable for its own people, then we wouldn't have to travel across, you know, to another country to seek medical help. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You know, our thoughts and prayers go out to everybody that we spoke about today. Um, Jaime comes in saying they knew more, especially how fast they found the body. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I thought that was pretty, I thought that was insane, man, how fast they found Brian, Brian's remains. Um, but he was supposedly in the exact same spot that they told him that he was going to be at. You know, the laundry's told court. I mean, we don't know. We don't know the truth, right? We only know that it's been stated that the uh, the laundry's told the the authorities that that was the location that he would be in. And so, who knows? But I want to say thank you to everybody that's uh, you know caught the show. We'll be on again tomorrow night, uh, seven thirty p.m. And then uh, we'll be doing this daytime show again on uh, on Thursday. We might be a little bit later. We might be doing it at one. We're going to be playing around with the times to see which time you guys like and which time 
is the uh, is the right time to come on for the daytime shows. Those daytime shows will be on Tuesdays and Thursdays, y'all. Um, let us know in the comment section uh, what time you 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 prefer us to go live. We'd like to get an input from you guys. I know I'm not my normal chippy self, but I've had like two hours of sleep, guys. So I'm working on it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Give it up to Big Blue for for coming in clutch uh, while he's supposed to be sleeping. Get some rest, bro. And you and y'all have a great day. We'll see y'all later. Peace. I'll take care, guys.